You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Israel took the city. They took after God had given them. God gave them the city, and then they took it. It was clear that God gave them, but they have to take it. We have a life that's been given to us by Jesus Christ. We have a life that he has given to us by dying on the cross, raising from the dead. He's given us this new life. We're to take it. We're to take hold of it and say, yes, I want this life. Israel took hold of Jericho, and God gave it to them. We have to take hold of the abundant life that God has given to us. Many view Israel's conquest over the land of Canaan as some atrocious act instigated by God. However, what those critics might not be aware of is that God actually gave them time to repent. As Pastor Dave will teach you in his message today, the land of Canaan was given over 400 years to repent. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Joshua chapter 6 as he continues his message and the walls came tumbling down. Jesus gave us the answer. Jesus gave us the answer in John 16, 33. And we all look at John 16, 33, and most of you say, in this world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. But you're missing the point. You're missing the first four words. Jesus says, in me you will have peace. There's the answer. In this world you'll have tribulation. Be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. See, if we take our spot in him and recognize that we are in him, we have peace. Whatever strongholds facing tonight, whatever strongholds up there, you can have peace in the midst of this time. You can have peace. You can have peace in the Lord. It's when we stray off in our own. When we tell the Lord, don't worry, Lord, I got this one. I'll take care of this one, Lord. You hang on. I'll take care of this one for you. We fall flat on our face. We can't understand why. Joshua hears the Lord's plan to take the city. And this method of warfare is absolutely makes no sense to the military intelligence. It makes absolutely no sense at all to any military intelligence that he's ever known. Furthermore, it seems to go against God's law. It seems to go against God's law. This is strange. If you look at verse 4, it says, And the seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. The priests shall blow the trumpets. Interesting here. First of all, the priests were exempt from military service. They were supposed to be in the battles. The priests were not supposed to go to battle. This is a battle. The priests are there. They were supposed to devote themselves to serving God at the tabernacle. That's what their job was. The Ark of the Covenant was never taken into battle. It was only taken into battle one time in 1 Samuel 4 and 5. And what happened to it? It was captured. It was captured when they took it into battle. And the seven trumpets of ram's horns, the shofars, Numbers 10 states specifically that it was not ram's horns that were used for battle, but silver trumpets. So this is far beyond what Joshua was saying. He's really confused now. He's like, what? This doesn't make sense. And finally, 
the most serious of all offenses, they were to walk around the city for how many days? What happens on the seventh day? Sabbat. It's the Sabbath. You want us to do what? On where? We're supposed to, wait a minute. We're supposed to do what? Now, the Pharisees came up with, long time after that, they come up with how far you could travel on the Sabbath. I'm sure walking around that city seven times was a lot further than they were supposed to go on the Sabbath. But see, this was God's plan, and God was showing his plan. So it required total obedience to God, total obedience by faith. Total obedience by faith. First of all, it required great faith on Joshua just to reveal the plan to the nation. I've got something to say to you guys. Now, no laughing back there. I want to tell you what we're doing. All right, here we go. Then, the priest, it took great faith by the priest and the elders in the nation because they followed Joshua's plan. See, this takes great faith by everybody. It was a plan of a victory. Why? It would be clearly the work of the Lord. No man could take credit. He wants you involved in his plan. He wants you to be a part of his work today. And that's what he does. Verses 6 and 7 tells us that the priest and the people the plan. He tells them the plan. He had to tell the priest because they were asked to do the unusual. The ark would be prominent in victory. Remember, the ark represented the presence of God. As God went before them. They followed as God went before them. Israel had to keep their hearts and their minds on the Lord that was present. And I love the fact that just like the ark, when they walked through Jordan, the ark is there. They had to look at the ark as they walked past it. In this battle, the ark was before them. Oh, how easy our life would be if we would just keep God at the forefront of our eyes. If we would just keep him right there and always look to him instead of looking at the circumstances looking at the things that are befalling us, if we would just keep God at the forefront of our lives. This is what the victorious Christian does. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Stand, be unmovable, be steadfast in what the Lord is doing. In verses 8 through 14, we see all these things come about, that Joshua speaks and they start working. They start doing these things. They start putting together God's plans. God's plans now unfolds before the people of Jericho. Joshua was a man of great faith. He didn't hesitate at what the Lord said. How many of you have been called and told to do something and you hesitated? I did. I've, hes- I have, I've hesitated in my life. God has told me to do something and I went, are you sure? <laughs> like I have to ask him if he's sure, right? <laughs> I've done that before. I've done that before. I've hesitated. Our delays usually mean that we really don't believe his word usually means that we really don't believe that he wants us to do that. He wants us to do that. I told you the story. I'll tell it again. It bears repeating. I love the story. I'll tell it again about the guy driving down the street, and he was told to stick his head in the mailbox and yell, Jesus loves me. I love that story. I don't mind telling it 80 times. He was driving down the road, and, a guy, and he heard the Lord basically say, stick your head in the mailbox and yell, Jesus loves you. What? Um, I'm not. <laughs> he kept on driving. Stick your head in the mailbox and yell, Jesus loves you. Finally, stick your head in the mailbox and yell, Jesus loves you. He stopped. Got out of the car. Looks around. Opens the mailbox. Puts his head in and yells, Jesus loves you. Gets plunged back out of the car. 
He gets back in the car, and the car won't start. And out of the house comes this guy. Oh, no. I'm in trouble. This guy's coming right to the car. The guy gets to the car and said, what, what was that? He went, I'm sorry. He said, but the Lord told me to stick my head in the mailbox and yell, Jesus loves you. He said, I'm sorry if I interrupt. He said, no, you don't understand. You don't understand. I was in the shower with a rope around my neck, ready to kill myself. And I heard, Jesus loves me. And I want to know about this Jesus. Sometimes the Lord asks us to do the ridiculous. Sometimes he asks us to do the bizarre. And there's always a reason behind it when he asks us to do those crazy things. Now, if we would but obey, if we would obey, what what would God do? What would God do? He would do the miraculous in front of our eyes. People would be saved. And that goes back to the radical obedience that we talked about last week when they all were circumcised. It was a radical obedience. They radically obeyed the Lord. Oh, that we would become people who would radically obey him. Radically obey him and move forward. That's what they do. So he does that. The ark circled the city. Jericho wasn't a real large city. They could easily get around it in one day. But as the people of Jericho saw the Israelites marching around the city, can you imagine what they were doing? They were probably standing on the, on the ramparts of the city throwing things at them, laughing. Ha, 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 you guys, look at this. Hey, you guys are crazy. Is this how you go to war? We'll fight you. I mean, it must have been crazy. But it took courage for Israel to do this. Can you imagine? It took courage for them to do this. Israel was wide open to attack during this time. They couldn't say anything. They had to walk around the entire city not speaking. It'd be hard for some of us. Real hard for some of us to do that. I'm not going to mention any names. It'd be hard for some of us. Jericho could have attacked them. It took endurance. They had to do this. They had to march around for six days. They had to persist in something that didn't make sense. Every day they got up and they had to do something that didn't make sense sense. Every single day, they had to do that. It was helpless. Once again, Israel is in a vulnerable position. They have placed everybody in a vulnerable position. They are subject to attack. They're all there. There's six days of silent marching. They had the good look at the walls. And I wonder how many times they walked around going, we're never going to get in there. Look at the size of that wall. We're never going to get in there. This is impossible. I wonder how many of their hearts melted, their hearts sunk. And when we see our strongholds, and sometimes when we look at the strongholds, as they walked around, as they kept on staring at the stronghold, I bet it got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. The strongholds in our lives, as we keep our eyes focused on them, don't they seem huge? They seem enormous. We, we need to know that God is in control. Through six days of silent marching, they looked at the walls. They got bigger and bigger every day. How many of them questioned the Lord? How many in their own hearts said, does the Lord really know what he's doing? I'm sure you've never questioned the Lord. I'm sure you've never have. But the seventh day came in verses 15 and 16. The seventh day came. And they were supposed to march around on the seventh day. It was the Sabbath. But it was God's work that was going to do as a part of his sovereign grace and power. It wasn't going to be by human endeavor. Shout for the Lord has given you the city was the command. Shout. Shout with a loud voice. The days of silence was over. And then there comes a recognition that God would now have given them what he had promised. The Lord has given you the city. Shout. I love it. 
They shout. They cry. Excavations that have been done long ago proved that the walls fell outward. That the walls fell outward. It's been proven. You know, I looked on, I was, I was looking for some history on the city and the excavation process. And in the all-knowing and wonderful Wikipedia on the internet, they said that this was just a myth. It was just a made-up story by Christians. I'm like, what? And then you go on the sites that have the actual record of the archaeological explorations and the actual record of what the city looked like. It's like, wait a minute. How can you possibly say it's a myth? But there you go again with modern society rewriting history, rewriting the Bible, rewriting it. Remember the Truth Project? Remember when we studied the Truth Project? But the seventh day came. They marched around. The Lord had given them the city. And immediately, Joshua takes care of Rahab. Now, it's interesting that he got her out of there. Because where did Rahab live? Who remembers where Rahab lived? On the wall. She lived on the wall. You had to get her out of there because when the wall falls down, that house is gone. Rahab's got to get out of there. So they keep their word with Rahab. They show her God's grace. They show her God's mercy. And they pull Rahab and the whole family out. And we talked about her at length back in chapter 2. So no need to go in there again. But they take Rahab out. Then Joshua makes this command. And I think it's worth reading. In verse, because it's going to come up when we get to chapter 7. In verse 18, he says, And you, speaking to the children of Israel... By all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. It's going to come up next week. It's going to come up greatly next week. Remember when we studied the first fruits? They belonged to the Lord. All the silver, the gold, all the treasures were given to the Lord. It's the first fruits. It's, it's, it's the theory of the first fruits. It all belongs to the Lord. We're not to take any of it. We're not to share in that. He commanded the people to stay away from these things. He means the idols and the things that are associated with demon and depraved worship things. The severe judgment that's brought against Jericho and all of Canaan, it didn't actually come because they were in the way of God. It came because they were total in rebellion to God. God just didn't wipe them out because he wanted to. These all had a chance. Remember, he didn't even release the Israelites from Egypt until what? The number of the Amorites have come. Remember the sin of the Amorites had to be fulfilled? Well, God gave them chances. He gave them all kinds of chances, and they wouldn't repent. So here, God now has to wipe them out. But all the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze and stuff, they're to be consecrated for the Lord, set apart for the Lord. The values belong to him. Jericho is the first fruits of Canaan. It's the first city of Canaan. It belongs to God. All the values were to be taken out and put in the treasury of God. Verses 20 and 21, the walls came down, and the walls come tumbling down. We're not told that Israel knew that this would be the result. I wonder what the look of their faces was. I wonder what the look of their faces when they shouted. What's the look on your face when, the God, t- when God tells you to do something, and you do it, and something miraculous happens? It's like, wow. All of a sudden, what? We're amazed. They were surprised as anybody. But God decided to deliver Jericho into their hands. And Jericho was delivered in their hands. They utterly destroyed all that was in the city. Now, people ask, why was this common practice? Why did, why did they have to do this? It became the greatest sins of the Canaanites were spiritual. 
The greatest sins that they committed were spiritual. For back in Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 14, we can read this. When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For all who do these things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. You shall be blameless before your Lord your God. For these nations which you will dispossess, listen to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not appointed you for such. This is why he destroyed them. He got them out. Don't be marrying. Don't be doing these things. Don't be getting together with these things. People read this Old Testament and they say, oh, this is harsh. Such a harsh thing. Why do they say it's harsh? For one reason, it is harsh. We must recognize that in unique times, God has commanded such judgment to come to pass. We just finished studying the book of Revelation. Many of you can say that all the things that happened in those seven years are harsh. And you would be right. They are harsh. But it's righteousness. It's God's righteous judgment. It's God's righteous judgment. And we have to know that. He's sovereign. And his judgment is just and righteous. God has commanded these judgments to come to pass. He uses armies to do these things. Or... He sends down fire and brimstone like he did to Sodom and Gomorrah. He destroys these things. Israel took the city. They took after God had given them. God gave them the city, and then they took it. It was clear that God gave them, but they have to take it. We have a life that's been given to us by Jesus Christ. We have a life that he has given to us by dying on the cross, raising from the dead. He's given us this new life. We're to take it. We're to take hold of it and say, yes, I want this life. Israel took hold of Jericho when God gave it to them. We have to take hold of the abundant life that God has given to us. In verses 22 through 25, they bring the women out, and all that she has, Rahab and her household are saved. They had coupled with their faith. They had faith in the God of Israel, and they had willingness to follow him. He saved them. So even, even in the midst of all this judgment, God shows mercy. In the midst of all all these things that are happening, God is a gracious God and shows mercy because of the scarlet cord that was hanging from the window. They burned the city and set it afire. Joshua spared Rahab the harlot. You can see the contrast between judgment and salvation, just the fact that she's been saved. All Jericho had heard about God. They had heard about what he had done in Israel. Remember, Rahab told the spies that. We heard what happened in the Red Sea. We were all fearful. Well, they weren't that fearful. Only Rahab gave her life to God. Only Rahab wanted to make their God her God. Only Rahab wanted to do that. It says, so she dwells this day. It shows that Joshua was written at the time of Joshua. This was not some fascicle reconstruction or an imaginative write-up. This really happened, folks. Verses 26 and 27 is interesting. It says, then Joshua charged them at the time saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. Interesting. Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up the city, Jericho. 1 Kings 16, 34. The man named 
Hiel, H-I-E-L, of Bethel. He rebuilt Jericho. And it cost him his firstborn and his secondborn. He laid the foundation with them because the city was cursed. The city was cursed, as Joshua had said. So Israel's victory at Joshua, what do we learn from it? What do we look at it? We've got to be able to take something away. We've got to be able to take something away. When you look at it, we learn for it. First of all, we learn that it was done by faith. Joshua and Israel believed the battle plan that the Lord laid out for them to the point where the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 11 verse 30 talks about it. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. At Jericho, the people of Israel had daring faith. They didn't turn back. They crossed the river at flood stage, which was cut off. Then they continued on. They had daring faith. They had obedient faith. They understood what God wanted to do, and they obeyed it even times. They walked around seven times. They had patient faith, waiting for God to work. They allowed God to work in their lives. They had faith that anticipated that God would do what he said he was going to do. Do you have that kind of faith? When God says he's going to do something, we read in his Bible, do you believe that he will do it? Do you believe in Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it? Do you believe that? Or are they just pages that we read? We studied on Sunday. Some people call themselves a Christian. Are they really Christians? They really believe that God died for their sins. Do they have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Do they believe that in their hearts? Is it something that they live by? Joshua had this great faith. All of Israel had this great faith at the time. Joshua and Israel had this great obedience. We talked about the radical obedience. They had this great courage. They had this great endurance. They did these things. And that's what the victorious Christian life is built on. It's built on faith. It's built on obedience, courage, and endurance. It's a marathon. It's not a short sprint. Christian life is a marathon. It's a marathon. And we need to be ever faithful to a God who has given us many precious promises. He's the one that is going to do the work, and he will complete it in each of us. And that we have to believe in. Because I read to you last week, I'll read it one more time because it's great. In chapter 21, verses 43 through 45, so the Lord gave to Israel all the land of which he had sworn to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it and dwelt in it. And the Lord gave them rest all around, according to all that he had sworn to their fathers. Not a man of all their enemies stood against them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. 45 is the kicker. Not a word failed of any good thing which the Lord had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. That's God's word. It's right there in front of us. He's a faithful God when we're faithless. He does what he says he's going to do. He accomplishes the purposes that he has in mind. And we know he works all things together for good for those that love him and are the called according to his purpose. We have to believe by faith and accept that he is a gracious God. You are Our time with you is running short for today's edition of Assure Hope. Pastor Dave will continue this journey through the book of Joshua when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We'd also encourage you to download these messages so they're available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. 
Those short breaks could be filled with the study of Scripture, getting to know God better through His Word. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m., and we offer nursery and Sunday school where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Or just visit assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message on Assure Hope. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover Jesus working in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another edition of Assure Hope. Assure Hope.